mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Moving on to Victory. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. Here now, Pastor Moody. Um, I'll just preach a whole lot tonight. Um, from the book of Acts, chapter 1, I want to read some familiar scripture. And the Lord just sort of began to deal with me about Acts 1 and Joshua 1. And I sort of got flung back and forth between both. And I sort of just let the Lord lead me. And I want to, I want to uh, title the message tonight, Moving on to Victory. Moving on to Victory. And uh, amen, hallelujah. Got some people ready to move on to victory, praise God. And uh, I was thinking about, of course, just finishing up uh, Easter Sunday before that, uh, amen, the, the Passion Week where Jesus came on Palm Sunday the week before into, the, into Jerusalem with the great accolades and shouts and rejoicing. And then the sentiment of the people changed and by week's end he was crucified, buried, and on Easter Sunday resurrected. And I begin to read just into the scripture and begin to think about a time of transition, what it was for the disciples. Just imagine where the roller coaster they'd been on. They'd walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And then all of a sudden, just at the height of, of his anointing and ministry and the crowds were swelling, perhaps they thought he's going to set up the kingdom. And to their utter dismay, he was killed. But then, to their jubilation, he rose from the dead and left them alone. And I, got, I began to think about, how many know sometimes transition is always a tough place to be in? Transition means change. Change is never easy. Most people, you have to drag them kicking and fighting into change. They don't like change. We don't like things to, uh, you know, we don't want to mess with our comfort zone. Hello. That's why you can start a building program and a lot of people will leave a church over it. They'll get angry over anything and, and, and leave because they just don't like change. I, a couple of weeks ago we were in here having church with no carpet on the floors and half of the crown mold was up and, and I made a little joke, Brother Bobby, I told him, I said, I've always heard of churches splitting over the color of the carpet, so we took that off the table. We're not going to have any carpet. And I said, I know some of you like crown mold and this side wasn't up and I said, and some of you don't, so we're going to... How many's glad it's up tonight? Hallelujah. Let's read Acts chapter 1. Uh, of course, uh, Luke was the writer of the book of Acts. He wrote Luke to a fellow by the name of Theophilus, and he addressed the book of Acts to him as well. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The former treatise or book, referring to the book of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now let me insert something. What he was saying was the gospel that I wrote to you, the book of Luke, was a record of all that Jesus did. So the book of Acts is a continuation 
Well, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It should have been called the Acts of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Amen. So he says, I'm continuing on with the story of Jesus. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, whom he had showed himself alive after his passion, been by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now watch this. He's trying to tell them. Things are changing. I'm leaving. I'm going, I'm, you're going to get the Holy Ghost here in a little while. But they're still thinking, are you going to set up the kingdom now? We've still got our mind focused on taking over the kingdom from Rome. Still what we want. Wherefore, when they come together, they said, Lord, at this time you restore the kingdom. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power under his own control. I don't really need to worry about the future. God's got it under control. I mean, remember Jesus that told him, take no thought for tomorrow. There's enough evil present today. Just live for today. Walk in the blessing of God today. But you shall receive power, authority, exusia, dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. They re then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Verse 13, we just want to read the first part. And they went, and when they were come, into an upper room. Amen. Uh, I want to preach tonight for a little while on moving on to victory. Moving on to victory. I believe God wants some people to move forward from where you are. You might feel like you're in a standstill place. You might feel like you've had a setback. You might feel like everything was going good, and then all of a sudden, my apple cart got turned over. Amen. I was doing great and all of a sudden everything just kind of blew up. Has anybody ever been there beside me? I mean, I was just cruising right along and all of a sudden I was laid up in the hospital. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everything was looking good and then all of a sudden financially I got in trouble. Everything was looking good and my kids went crazy or my parents went crazy or both. Amen. Uh, so all of a sudden I found out that I was in a place that I wasn't comfortable. So what are you going to do? Look at somebody and say, move on to victory. Move on to victory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Bless us tonight. Speak to us and through us. Use me and use us as a church to shake a world from here on Mule Shed Lane. Have your way in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. Amen. Now, I want to say this, that change happen, happens real often. How many of you have ever went 
Well, let me say, how many of you recently have, have bought a new vehicle? Recently, say in the last six months, last year. Amen. Well, last two years. Gracious, y'all are a tough bunch. You get a new vehicle, you're all excited. You love it, then one day you look up and it's got 100,000 miles on it and you're having to spend money on it all the time. Things change, can you say amen? Uh, transition is an essential of life. If we stayed in the same place all the time, we would never develop or grow emotionally. We would never grow intellectually. We would never gain any wisdom. We would always stay at the same plane. I'll tell you what, I'm not what I used to be. But thank God I'm not yet what I'm going to be. God is leading me. And can I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and where the power of God can't move you forward, amen. And so I begin to think about transition. And often in the time of change and transition, success seems impossible. And what happened here, it seemed as if Jesus gave his, his apostles, now they were disciples, now they're apostles, an impossible mission. At this point, no doubt, their minds were still reeling from the events of, as I said, the Passion Week, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. And there were many obstacles in their way. Now, Jesus is gone. How many knows when you walk with Jesus, well, he knows everything. People said to him, you can do anything. Now, Lord, you know everything. There, there, nothing's too hard for you. But now he's gone. And I started to think about these disciples. In Acts 1, Acts 2 hasn't happened yet, so they don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. They've not been empowered yet. Think with me. Uh, uh, Brother Nick, I begin to just, in, in reading a little bit, write, just wrote, jotted some things down. Uh, they had no education. They had no finances. They had no prestige in the community. In fact, everybody hated them. And either that or nobody took them seriously. Their leader was gone and nobody thought they'd ever amount to anything. They had no real political uh, connections. They had really no clear direction. All they knew was Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Tarry there. Something's going to happen. God's going to send you the promise. You're going to be endued, clothed upon with power. They really didn't know what to expect. So they find themselves in a time of transition, which, as I said, is always a place of uncertainty. But what they did have was the assurance that Jesus was alive. They had a risen, living Savior. How many can shout tonight, Jesus is alive? I know he is. He had left them, but he also gave them two promises. I'm coming back, and I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. So now we know he's alive. We know he's promised us power, and we know that soon they believed in the imminent return. So I thought about what a place that left them in. Then my mind went back a few thousand years to a man by the name of Joshua. Listen to this. See how close this relates. Joshua Chapter 1, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, or his servant, saying, Moses is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, 
thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread on, that have I given unto you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness of this, uh, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, the great sea going toward, uh, going down to the sun shall be your coast. Listen, there shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail you. Be strong, be of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide, for it inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Here it is again, only be thou strong, very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may be prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night. Observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So really what God was saying to Joshua was sort of what he said to the disciples. Listen, your leader's dead. You're going someplace you've never been. The only thing you've got is a promise of power, but you've got my word. If you'll stay in it, if you'll listen to it, if you'll abide in it, no man will be able to stand before you. Your way will prosper. Everything you do will be successful. Now, you might say that sounds pretty good, but if you'd stop and think about it, we really every day are faced with uncertainty. We don't know what the devil's got planned. How many knows? How many's been serving God long enough that you can say, if I'd have seen what was ahead of me when I started, I'd have probably ran off. But thank God I couldn't see it. I just let God lead me through it. And now I'm way over here and that junk's way back there. And I'm shouting victory because God brought me this far. Oh, come on, help me now. How many can say he brought me through? He brought me out. He brought me in and he brought me through. I'm standing here tonight with victory. I can testify. If I hadn't had some tests, I wouldn't have had a testimony. How many know what I'm talking about? I can tell you, God been good to me. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout now. God's been good to me. God has blessed me. God has helped me. God's watched over me. He's healed me when I've been sick. He's prospered my way. He gave me money to pay my bills when I didn't have it. Oh, let me tell you something. God is good. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, so I, I, I wrote this down. They, Joshua's generation, like the early church apostles and like us, really just had a, a, a mandate, a move going on, a, a transition happening. They really had nothing that they could latch on to physically and say, we're going to make it with this. But Brother Don, what they had is what we teach week after week. They had the fundamentals of the faith. I want to tell you something. We're a fundamentalist church. Hallelujah. That don't mean we're Baptist. Nothing wrong with being Baptist. But we're fundamentalists. We believe in the inspiration and infallibility of Scripture. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Hallelujah. How many believe that? Ha, my. It doesn't just contain the word of God. It is the word of God. 
Woo, I'm about to shout. I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. And like he told John, eat it. It'll be sweet in your mouth and bitter in your belly, but it'll change your life. Hallelujah. It's the word of God. So we are fundamentalist church. We believe in the inspiration of scripture. We believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We believe he was the son of God. How many believe that tonight? He is the son of God. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We're a fundamentalist church. We may not have money, but we've got God. We may not have uh, uh, you know, everything the world thinks we ought to have, but we've got God. Can I tell you something? I've seen the time when our church was in the back room of a carpet store with old theater seats that I hauled in the back of a U-Haul trailer with a plywood Bible stand and an old junky PA system and a piano that was so dead it should have been buried. We had nothing. I had a guitar knew about three chords. But Brother Nick, what we had was the fundamentals. We had the Word. We had God. We had Jesus. We had the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody help me tonight. We were in a time of change, but we had the favor of God on our lives. <sighs> wow. I'm preaching about moving on to victory. You might say, preacher, you don't know my circumstance. I don't need to know your circumstance. But you do need to know my God. And you do need to know his word. So I started thinking. They had some things in common, God said to Joshua, Lo, I'm with you. <laughs> and Jesus said, I'm going back, but I'm going to pray the Father, and He's going to send you another comforter, and He's going to abide with you forever. And Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always. Oh, praise God. I want to tap. I'm glad I've got the Lord with me tonight. Hallelujah. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too happy. <laughs> I've got too much God to be discouraged. Look at somebody and say, hold your head up. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ought to, you ought to oh, like Charles, old brother Charles Green, the way he used to square his shoulders and run his hands through that white wavy hair, and he'd look at you and say, hey, hey, hey. I'm going to make it, hallelujah. <laughs> now, that was his saying, the old man's in heaven tonight. Praise God, I want to tell you something. I'm going to make it, thank God. How do you know? Because the Lord is with me. So my, my first point, that was my introduction. Here's point number one. Amen. Point number one is we need his presence with us. We need to understand that, that his presence is with us. Listen, he wrote in Acts chapter one and verse one and said the former treatise, the former book of all that Jesus started to do until the day was taken up through the Holy Ghost after he'd give commandments to the apostles and to whom he had showed himself alive after his passion, 
That word passion there is the word that means suffering and death. That's why they named that movie The Passion. It didn't just mean he was passionate about it. It meant he suffered and he died on a cross and he rose again. He showed himself alive. Paul the apostle would later write, he was seen alive by Mary and then by Peter and John and by the other apostles and then by over 500 brethren at one time. And then he said, most of all, then by me me as one born out of due season. And I stand here tonight 2,000 years later and I can shout to you, I've seen Jesus. He's alive. I see him every day in every church service. I see him in altar calls when sinners come and get saved. Oh my dear God, he's still Jesus and he still saves. Hallelujah. Poor old pitiful preachers running around with long faces. They didn't know what we were going to do. Nothing's ever good. Nothing's ever right. My God, Jesus is still alive. They stoned Stephen to death. That's a pretty bad fix. But while they were stoning him to death, he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And the Bible said he had to look on his face like an angel. And Jesus stood up, hallelujah, on his behalf. And Stephen looked at the crowd throwing the rocks and said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What was he saying? They think they're killing me. They're just letting me go on to glory. Hallelujah. Do you understand? Nothing's too hard when Jesus is there. He can still say, peace be still, and calm a raging sea. He can still, amen, walk up to a tomb and call the dead out of a grave. Are you hearing me? Jesus is still alive, and we've got that with us, that presence. Muhammad is dead. He's been dead about 1,400 years. His old dusty bones are laying inside that mosque at Mecca. He'll never get up. He never promised that he would because he knew he couldn't. He knew when he was dead it was over. But Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And he did and he's still with us today. How many believe that? Give him praise if you do. Hallelujah. Well, we can shout and say, yeah, Jesus is alive. But do you understand, if Jesus is alive, his word is alive. This is the New Testament. How many of you have ever made a will? Ever been left in a will? If you've ever seen a will, how many of you know what a will is? They always start off with these words, the last will and testament. And the scripture said that the will, the testament, the last ambitions, the last desires of the testator, the one that wrote it out, it's just a useless piece of paper until he dies. (laughs) But when he dies, it comes into force as a legal document. But this will that Jesus left, this testament that Jesus left, this New Testament, can you say amen? It was only effective if the testator not only died, but also rose from the grave. (laughs) 
because he put conditions on it. Boy, I'm about to preach up in here. Amen, that nobody else would ever dare to do because here's what he said. I'm gonna make it happen, boys. You know how I'm gonna make it happen? I'm gonna die. They're gonna bury me. I'm gonna get up. I'm going back to the Father. I'm gonna send you back the Holy Ghost and you're gonna be alive in my anointing. My God, and in my power. So we got the new testament. We got the new version. Nobody ever wrote a will like this one, but we got it. So as long as Jesus is alive, his word is alive. How many believe that? So like Joshua, we stand with the Joshua generation, the church age, stands with a word that, and a promise that as long as this word lives in you and you live in this word, God is with you. And Jesus is with us. Now, Acts, as I said, is a continuation of the account of Jesus' work and ministry through his church. When we read the Gospels, and I've been enjoying watching the, the Bible movies that they, that they did. I DVR'd them and, and been watching them. That way I get to fast forward past the commercials. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a word of wisdom for you all right there. And I've been enjoying it. And Sister Gail and I have watched a bit, quite a bit of it together. And, of course, there's a lot of things in it that are wrong, that are not scripturally correct or not accurate. But some of it makes, you know, stirred me up. And uh, even when they showed Jesus raising Lazarus from the grave, they got it wrong. They showed him pulling the rocks away from the door and everybody holding their nose and, and him walking in and getting him by the head and kissing him and all. That didn't happen. He wasn't going to that stinky place. He just stood outside and said, roll that stone away from the door. And when they rolled the stone away from the door, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out of there. <laughs> come forth. And, and, and he'd been dead four days. And they didn't embalm back then. And they done said, but now he stinks. His body's rotten laying in there. But Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. It's never too late when you get a word from God. And I want to tell you tonight, no matter what stinking mess you're in, his word is still alive because he's alive. And it'll still work in your life. <laughs> Woo, glory. Let me go on. You see, in the Gospels, he had a physical body. But today, his body is the church. Do you understand me? He's the head. We're the body of Christ. We're his body. And there's power in the body. In Colossians 1 and 27, Paul said, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And listen, more than he needs us to work for him, he needs us to be available so he can work through us. He needs a body that moves in the, in the living power of a living word. Amen. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to tell you something, folks. The Christian life is an impossibility. I want to shout it tonight. You cannot live good enough. You cannot pray good enough. You cannot 
not be holy enough to live the Christian life. It's not in you to live the Christian life because in your flesh dwells no good thing. But the answer is Christ in you. The answer is a living Jesus. My Jesus is not dead. He's not a distant memory. He's a present Savior. My God, he's a present Lord. He's my friend. He's my confidant. Are you hearing me? I get to talk to him and he talks to me. Oh, got Jesus? He's got them billboards that says, got milk? All he got's a messy face. Have you got Jesus? How many's got Jesus tonight? How many know Jesus is alive? He's alive. The Easter message, as Nick said a while ago, was very much alive tonight. Jesus is alive. Let me hurry. I got, I got to, an hour and a half preaching to do in 20 minutes. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. So, Jesus said with men things are impossible. But with God, anything is possible. With, with Jesus in you, anything can happen. Clyde and I went this morning. We left home at 5.30 or something. I don't know. And went to Lexington. And Leah, 27 years old, brain tumor. And they told us when we got over there, we were going to have to cut her head real severely and go in and take out this tumor. And the doctors were speaking very positive, and we went over and went in and had prayer, and they had these things all over her head, and they were going to take her down and shave off her head and cut her head open and go and take out this tumor. Gail's cousin came over. She's a praying woman. Came in and prayed for her after we did. And uh, the report was this. When they started, they just made a small incision. And they took a laparoscope with a blade on it and went in where they could see it. And the doctor said he just excised it and took it out. And he said, I believe I got it all. He said, I can't say with absolute certainty, but 95% sure got it all. And he said, I've done a lot of these. He said, I do them all the time. And he said, from looking at it, he said, I'm positive, about positive it's not cancer. He said, I will know for sure when the pathology comes back. And this was the doctor's word. He said, of all the surgeries I've done, if that were my family member laying there and I'd done the surgery on my own family member, he said, I couldn't be any more happy. Hallelujah. Well, I'm, what are you saying? I'm telling you, God will go with you. And God will be within Jesus. All things are possible. In Jesus, we should expect the best and not the worst. And, and a lot of people would sit around and frown and scowl and pout and say, well, why didn't God just heal her? How do you know he didn't? Hallelujah. How do you, how do you know that a miracle is still not underway right there? I, I, I want to tell you, when they cut Fred uh, open and went to take out that part of that lung, there was cancer in there and cancer that, that has been notoriously for years. And he's been fighting and spreading on his body and it got into that lung and everybody was thinking probably you know well it's probably just going to be a, a mess when they get in there that's what the doctors thought but when they got in there they said that cancer their very word was that it was like it was encapsulated in some kind of membrane and it couldn't get out <laughs> are you hearing me I'm telling you Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather he's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll he holds my hand hallelujah he's Jesus 
He's Jesus. He's Jesus. You need to shout every day for Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn around high five somebody and say, I know Jesus. If you have to get up and walk, go do it. Go, go high five somebody. Hallelujah. I know Jesus. Glory to God. I know Jesus. Woo! I've never met Barack Hussein Obama. I've never met... Uh, 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 I don't know whoever, but I have met Jesus and he's alive and he's working and he loves me. He'll never forsake me, glory to God. Woo! He's with me. Number two, tell somebody that was number one. We need his presence. Number two, are you with me? We need his promise. I mean, I can shout all day. He's with me. But I got a promise. If I make it till tomorrow, he's already there. <laughs> you may not know the road you're walking, where it's going, but you don't have to be worried. Because Jesus is already at the end of it. I said, you didn't hear me? I said, you don't have to worry about where this road's taking you. Because when you get there, you'll find out he's already there. Hallelujah to God. You can trust his promise. The disciples said to Jesus, he was assembled with them and said, don't depart from Jerusalem. Amen, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, John baptized you with water. But soon, remember what he, and he reminds them what John said. John said, I baptize you with water, there's one coming after me. This is the promise of the Father. The Father spoke it in Isaiah and in Joel. Then he spoke it to John, and John spoke it in their hearing in the presence of Jesus. John said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. There's one coming after me. I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And Jesus said, I want you to know John truly did baptize you with the water. But get ready, boys, not many days hence. What's that mean? Just in a day now. Hallelujah. Woo, just in a day now. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. You know what the church needs today? We don't need another program. We don't need another, another menu made by man. We need an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, heartfelt, Holy Ghost and fire baptism back in the church. We need a revival that'll set us ablaze with the glory of God. <laughs> Somebody said, that preacher's crazy. You better believe it. I'm completely out of my mind for the Lord. Hallelujah. We need his promise. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued. That word means clothed upon with power from on high. I want to tell you something, folk. He called us to be his witnesses. 
I mentioned they didn't have education. They didn't have law degrees or doctorates. And none of those things are all right. Nothing wrong with those things. They, they weren't wise guys. Is anybody hearing me? But uh, i tell you what they did have. They had a baptism of fire and power. They had an anointing that came in and a, and a calling. They had an apostleship placed upon them by the Lord Jesus himself. They had a commission that was spoke from the lips of the God-man. They knew everything they were supposed to do because he told them. And they didn't have money. They didn't have education. They didn't have all the tools that we have today. Many of, many of the things we have today was only a pipe dream for them. But can I tell you what they did have? They had the hand of God upon them. I want to say it. We're not called to be God's lawyers. We're not lawyers in the courtroom of public opinion. We're not called to try to just stand up and eloquently speak, you know, what Paul said with flattering words and, and words of, you know, of, of, of great oratory ability. But what we are is witnesses. And witnesses don't have to be able to speak with great ability. They just have to be able to say what they've seen, say what they know, say what they know and what they experienced and it's like the blind man that Jesus had healed when they told him they said he's a sinner and he said whether he's a sinner or not I don't know what was he saying I'm not qualified to make that judgment but this one thing I know I was blind but now I can see hallelujah we are a witness of the power of God hallelujah I'm feeling the Lord do you understand what I'm saying? You can't talk about it if you ain't got it. Too many have gotten degrees and titles and approval of man and no Holy Ghost and fire, no anointing. I mean, some of them been daddy called and mama sent. That's what old Pat King used to say. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you, it takes an anointing. If you've got an experience, you can talk about it. How many has been saved? How many know you're saved? Can't nobody talk you out of it. How many hold up your other hand and say, can't nobody talk me out of this? I, it's mine, praise God. You can't talk me out of it. Hallelujah. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Satan, he can't blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Satan, he can't blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. What's that song saying? I've got something that came from God. You can't take it away. You can't convince me it's not real. The devil can't stop it. I want to tell you it'll shine. Amen. As long as I fuel it with the fire of the Holy Ghost, this light will shine. Woo. So we need his promise. Amen. And uh, first of all, we need his presence and we need his promise. We need to know that he's with us. And then finally, I want to say this. We need his program. We need to be about what Jesus said. I'm going to tell you, a lot of preachers, and, I, and I'm not going to talk about preachers and I'm not I don't mean to sound like I'm running anybody down but let me tell you something I've been there I've been in the thing where I wanted to 
do what everybody thought was the thing. How many knows what I mean when I say the thing, the end thing, the modern thing, the popular thing? And, and I'm not saying that sometimes the modern thing ain't the right thing. But sometimes the thing is just the thing. But Jesus has a program for his church. And that, that program, when I started thinking about this, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be witnesses, amen, unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. While he was, said these things, he was taken up and a cloud received him. They're standing looking up and an angel, two angels appeared and said, what are you doing looking up? Get busy, he's coming back. But he told them, don't depart. Stay in Jerusalem. Wait there till you're endued with power from on high. So they went to the upper room. And when they got to the upper room, they dealt with business. They, they, they took care of replacing Judas. How many can say amen to that? And then they remembered the commission that Jesus gave them. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost. Teach them all things. Amen. To observe all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you. And if you do it, lo, I'm with you. Always told them all powers given unto me. If you get involved in my program, I'll give you a power. And I'll be with you all the way. Hallelujah. So there was a program in Mark 16. It, he records it this way. Jesus said to them, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I wonder how many of us have taken the time to share the gospel with somebody this week. Now I'm not, no, this is not where I jump on you and make you feel bad. This is where I inspire you. You know, I know, I know you had to work this week. And I know you had to pay the light bill and go to the grocery store. And man, it's time you had to start cutting the grass down. And, and you had to give the dog a bath and deflee the cat. <laughs> Important things that had to be done. I just got to get this done. Really? What about go ye and teach and preach to every creature? and share the gospel with a dying soul. I wonder where that is on our list of priorities. Somewhere below the grocery store and washing the dog. Hmm. Somebody say, hmm. Makes me know you're listening. What are you saying? Jesus has a program that the church will go everywhere Winning souls. You see, he said there was a man that made a great marriage supper, a great feast, and he was a wealthy man. And he, he made a great feast and he killed, you know, numbers of animals and barbecued them and cooked great big pots of green beans and mashed potatoes and, and turnip greens and, and cornbread. Hallelujah. And he had banana pudding fixed and lemon meringue pie. Woo! Hallelujah. Pinto beans, glory to God. The white ones with, with some short ribs cooked in them, can you say, man? And, and, and he, he, he told his servant, he said, 
go out and invite the guests, you know, the usual crowd, to come to my dinner. And he went out and come back and said, Lord, said one of them said he'd bought some property and was taking care of it. Nothing bought a, a, a yoke of oxen and was trying them out. Nothing got married and he couldn't come. And, and they had all these reasons. He said, well, forget them. He said, uh, go out into the, uh, in the streets and, and compel, you know, the in crowd to come in. And, and, and a few came and then he got angry. He said, then go to the highways and the hedges. Translated, go to the gutter. Go to the slums. Go to the crack houses. Go down to the AA meetings. Go up wherever you can find them and tell them to come. I've got a great feast prepared. And he said, I want you to know some. Those that were invited first, they'll not get any of my dinner. You know what Jesus was saying? He's saying to the church, you never stop till you fill the house up. Till you fill the house up. Till you get people in. So in Mark 16, he said, Go you therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Doesn't matter if they're Hispanic. Got half the church running around complaining about the Mexicans invading America. Nobody trying to win them to Jesus. Hmm. I wish he wouldn't say stuff like that. Well, somebody ought to. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Hispanic, black, yellow, American, Caucasian, whatever they are. He that believes and is baptized, listen, shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Damned. I want you to think about that. So if they hear us and believe that they're saved, what if they never hear us? They're damned too. Are you hearing me? Then it said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with tongues. New tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after he had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And listen to this. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And the last thing Mark said was, Amen. Which means, so be it. This world going to hell. And Jesus is saying, You might be in a time of change. Things may be a little out of whack right now. But I'm with you if you'll stay with my program. If you'll stay in my word. He told Joshua, everywhere you set your foot, I'll give it to you. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Don't look back. But just follow me and do what I say. He said, I'll have obedience rather than sacrifice. If you'll just obey me, if you'll do it, you will take, listen, everywhere your foot sits, you know what I think that means to the church? I believe it means we'll take Madison County for, the, for Jesus. And we can sit around and say, well, that bunch ain't going to get saved anyway. Well, we've even got doctrines that say, well, you know, there's only certain ones that's going to get saved. The rest of them's going to hell and God don't care. That's not Bible, is it? you and I need to look at Madison County every day of our life and say this is our harvest field 
As long as there's a lost man, a lost woman, a lost boy, a lost girl in this county, I cannot rest. I've got to pray through, get filled up, fired up, get anointed, get equipped, learn that Romans road, get out there, knock on doors, pass out tracts, do whatever I've got to do, witness to people, pray for the sick, cast out devils, glory to God, raise the dead, hallelujah. Pick up some serpents every now and then. That don't mean run around handling snakes, hollering, you know, shot them, oh, shy. That, hallelujah. That means like uh, my, my brother-in-law was at the house today, we was burning some scrap from the construction job, and he said, you know, then, he said wasn't they one of them guys in the Bible? that was uh, putting wood on a fire after they shipwrecked and a stake come up and bit him. I said, yeah, it hung on him, the Bible said. And there, all the people said, well, he's a fugitive from justice and God's bringing him to judgment. And they watched him and he shook it off in the fire. And he never even swelled up. And then they fell down. He said, yeah, they thought he was a God. Then started to worship him. I said, yeah. But when he got done, he preached Jesus to them. And the old chief and the whole tribe got saved. Are you hearing me? That's God's plan for the church what if you get snake bit along the way what do you mean what if somebody talks bad about you lies on you ridicules you falsely accuses you that's snake bit what are you going to do swell up get sick and fall over you shake it off in the fire <laughs> of the Holy Ghost and say it's just another step on my way to victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've been lied on, talked about, falsely accused. Amen. Things have been said that were a million miles from the truth. Come on in. They've, they've accused me of everything, but they're gone and I'm still preaching and Jesus is still Lord. <laughs> hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I'm just moving on to victory. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What are you saying, preacher? I'm going to go with Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to dance with the one that brought me. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? I think I'll just take the road I know. I think I'll just hold to God's unchanging hand. I think I'll just be led by the Holy Ghost. Woo! Can I get some help in here tonight? I think I'll just move on to victory. How many is going to victory tonight? Wave at me. Stand with me tonight. I'm moving on to victory. Oh, Jesus. And set our hearts on you. Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.